Hello, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is Friday, December 3rd, 2021. I'm your host, George Kurth, and unfortunately, Tyler could not be with us. He is out frolicking, well, maybe gently walking in a field of Christmas lights. But Cody Roadcap is here. Cody, how are you? I'm doing great. I couldn't go out and enjoy the Christmas lights like Snyder did. Snyder, wow. That's a new one. His new nickname is Snyder. Make sure you all comment on that he'll be so confused but i do have some course lights in the background uh so make sure you're watching on youtube if you want to see what our backgrounds look like definitely and i have not made any festive changes yet so i'll have to make sure i do that to keep up with cody now but uh what are we going to talk about today we're going to hit a couple nfl news and notes that we've missed since our tuesday show and we're going to give a full week 13 preview breaking down every single game with starts and sits and our favorite plays of the week Make sure you find us on the couchgms.com and our social media channels for even more insight than you get on this podcast. But with no further ado, why don't we jump in to NFL news? And first off in NFL news, we have to jump into a story that we started, I think it was two weeks ago, talking about Antonio Brown when his personal chef had accused him of having a fake COVID-19 vaccination card. Apparently, the league did some research and said that that was true, suspending him and two other players who are a little more insignificant for three games for misrepresenting their vaccination statuses. So, Cody, I figured this is how this is going to go. But what are your thoughts on Antonio Brown's situation? He's got himself in here. Yeah, it's definitely a situation you have to monitor. And I know there's a lot of rumors out there. I want to get that out of the way first been like oh they suspended Aaron or Antonio Brown but not Aaron Rodgers they I've even heard some people you know turn it into a race thing and I think what we need to understand though is while yes Aaron Rodgers may have misled the media by saying I'm immunized when by and not responding to vaccinated the NFL knew of his status his teammates knew of his status he followed all the the protocols except I will say he did not wear a mask in all his press conferences but there's numerous cases of other vaccinated, unvaccinated players that have done the same thing. Uh, but in Antonio's Brown case, I mean, the NFL even tweeted out that the that the Bucks are 100% vaccinated, and mm-hmm. his lawyer did put out a report saying he was he was vaccinated. So there's definitely something. I feel like there might be some information we may be missing. Um, but he was accused of not having a vaccination card. Ian Rappaport said they believe this to be true. Um, I'm actually surprised it's only three games because I know a fake vaccination card is like a felony at this point uh, in the current times that we're in. So a three-game suspension, he was already going to miss two with his injury that he's still recovering from. Uh, but yeah, just another hit on the of a, a Antonio Brown's career. I was going to call him AB, but I couldn't get it out. But Antonio Brown's <laughs> career, just another blip in the road for him. And definitely we'll have to see if there's any other legal ramifications that come from this, because like you said, it is uh, I think it's a federal felony. Like you said that you're uh, it's basically um, a fake ID in a case. Um, So if there was a fake uh, uh, card, we'll have to see what happens there. Just before we move on from this, we know he's going to miss three games now. He was already set to miss two. If you still own Antonio Brown, is he droppable at this point? Is he somebody that you would think about? stashing on a reserve spot because he's going to be on the suspended list now what are you thinking with antonio brown oh definitely if you can keep him on your suspended list i mean that's a no-brainer you put him there uh three weeks will be tough he'll miss the first round of the fantasy playoffs if you're playing your fantasy playoffs the correct way and not going through week 18 um so 
you he's been out for a while though, so you haven't needed him. I don't think I would drop him, uh, just because he does have you know potential to be a solid option for the semifinals in the final round of your your fantasy playoffs. And the worst case, you don't want that kind of talent hitting the waiver pool for someone that could beat you down the road. So I wouldn't drop Antonio Brown. Um, but again, it's three weeks with, as of now, he'll be without pay. He'll be without playing. He's still recovering from a pretty serious ankle injury. So he might not be the same player. You might not even have confidence playing him until you'll see him in your championship game. Um, so unless the, you're in the circumstance where, wow, you know, I was destroyed with running back injuries this past week, you know, Josh Jacobs, he popped up on the injury report on Thursday with an ankle injury. If you need to go out there and get a guy because you're not in the fantasy playoffs, well, Antonio Brown's going to be out for a while, so go ahead. But also make sure you check to make sure he doesn't hit the, the bench or IR spot on the suspended list, and that's not eligible for that too. Good insight there. And then we can move on to our only other piece of news here. So last week we reported Adrian Peterson was cut by the Tennessee Titans. He is now signed to the Seattle Seahawks practice squad. I think it's only notable because we know they're still missing Chris Carson. We've been had some situations where we've had to lean on like an Alex Collins. Maybe Adrian Peterson goes in there and muddies it if he does get promoted off the practice squad. But I don't see that happening this week. And I don't know if it's even going to happen. Uh, It's kind of a speculative ad there by Seattle. Well, I do know Pete Carroll was asked about it in his post-game press conference on Thursday um, about what they look for. I, it's not ruled out that they won't activate him. They He even went out of his way to say this move was because they're in a win-now mode, which is kind of crazy to think that they're 3-8 and eight and in a win-now yeah. win <laughs> mode. Um, and the only thing I'll say with that, I do think it muddies the water. I mean, Alex Collins hasn't been great. DJ Dallas wasn't you know doing good, very good either. So they're bringing in a new body. But we have seen this team turn it over when there's been an injury to a veteran running back. We saw it a few years ago. I believe it was Chris Carson got hurt, and they were able to get Marshawn Lynch to come out of retirement to play for the last few weeks, and they they rode him. So if Adrian Peterson does get active, I, you know, I'm probably not running out to Adam this week because, again, we just saw him in Tennessee. He didn't look the best. But if he does get active, he might be a, a top guy in the waiver next week because they seem to like turning it over to veteran running backs when it's quote unquote down the stretch and they can't afford any more losses. Definitely. I don't quite understand the win now mode part of that either, but Hey, they need to do something if they want to have a chance to make a stretch run here. So we'll see what happens with Adrian Peterson. We can also talk more about that when we get to their game in our week 13 fantasy preview. And of course, like every week, we kick off our fantasy preview with the buys for this week. We are almost done with buys. We have this week and next week. So we have this week on by the Tennessee Titans, the Carolina Panthers, the Cleveland Browns, and the Green Bay Packers, which just means that a full couch GM sweep this week is just a win by my Eagles. But on another note here, when we start off with the New York Giants traveling to the Miami Dolphins. So I guess we can start on the Dolphins side here. I still don't know what to do with their running backs. And Philip Lindsay was a little bit involved last week in his first game with the Dolphins. I know he came up on the injury report. Cody, maybe you have something more on that, but I still think it means you can't trust any Dolphins running backs. I'm going to disagree on that. I'm going to still stand by Miles Gaskin. I think you can still <laughs> trust him if you need, especially, we're t- you know, you got to think we're missing Nick Chubb this week. We're missing the Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, I mean, Christian McCaffrey was hurt, so 
you're missing Chuba Hubbard if you got him, and well, we're missing Derrick Henry, but we've been missing him for a while. So Miles Gaskin might be, you know, a better play out there. You know, just talk about Josh Jacobs popping up on the injury report. You did bring up Philip Lindsay. He is limited uh on Wednesday, and then he went to DNP on Thursday. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. He regressed on Thursday, whether that was more of rest. Let's see if we can get him full go on Friday. Uh, but if he's out there, I definitely think it's worth it. I do know the Giants just held the Eagles pretty good to rushing, but they are one of the worst teams against fantasy running backs. So again, this might be one of the last opportunities, but I do think this week, Miles Gaskin is still a viable option. Especially if you do not see Philip Lindsay. I know they still have other backs they've liked to use over Gaskin, but that would be a more ideal scenario for Gaskin. So we'll have to keep you updated on his status. In the wide receiver room, I think you're uh, really confident in Jalen Waddle at this point after he finally had a really big breakout last week and now going into another solid matchup against the Giants. My only other question would have to be Tua. We know the Giants don't have the greatest defense. Would you trust Tua as a streamer this week if you're somebody who has an Aaron Rodgers or well, I guess the other tight end, the other quarterbacks on those by teams aren't really relevant for fantasy, but if you have like an Aaron Rodgers... If you have Aaron Rodgers, or maybe you were the guy that picked up Cam Newton, thought you could play him. He's obviously on bye. He looked bad. Tua is definitely a guy worth mentioning. Uh, I don't really expect this game to be high scoring. I know Daniel Jones, we haven't talked about the Giants yet, but he is a little bit banged up as well. So this could be a low scoring game, which always doesn't. Another reason why I'm saying I like Miles Gaskin doesn't really favor the running backs, but Tua has been great. I think he's on a three game win streak. Um, the Dolphins have definitely they're making a playoff push. I feel like they did the exact same thing last year. They started off rough. <laughs> then they find their defense finally started clicking. They're making a playoff push here. They're still in it. Um, and I look at them to two is starting to like look like a, a quarterback. It's like amazing how we gave them, you know, a full season, you know, to recover and, and to get actual snaps. And it's not like he's a complete bust. Now he looks like an actual NFL quarterback that's making good throws, <laughs> making good decisions. Yeah, so if Tua is definitely not like my top streamer of the week, but by no means, I, you can definitely do worse out there. Definitely. I think that wraps up the Dolphins side, so we can move over to the Giants side where they are still completely banged up. Um, I think, Cody, you can give a little rundown on the injury report. I think Daniel Jones is on it now. Um, we still don't know how much we can trust Saquon Barkley, but he is increasing his snap count by week. I think he was up to 80-something percent in the, snaps, in the snap count last week, so... He's somebody that I'm still a little bit scared of to play fantasy wise if you have another option, but he's getting more touches now. And I think knowing his ability, he's somebody who can start sneaking back into your lineup if you were holding off. It's just a, still a little bit of a stop and go here. Yeah, I think you can't look at Saquon Barkley, as you mentioned, as the guy you drafted in the first round. But we've talked about it all week on the last episode. We've already hit on a lot. There's a ton of running back injuries right now. Um, and it's worth noting he's not listed on the current injury report anymore. So that would indicate he's back to 100% health or as 100% as you can be this late in the season. But guys like Daniel Jones is on the injury report. He has, he's been limited with a neck injury. Necks are always interesting. I know he's limited, but that doesn't guarantee he's going to play. Sterling Shepard, he didn't practice Wednesday, went to limited on Thursday. So he's trending in the right direction. Uh, Kadarius Tony still not practicing. So th this offense as a whole, it's banged up. They're not putting up a lot of points. Uh, so I understand the hesitations with Saquon Barkley. If Daniel Jones does go and the wide receiver injury, still, I still think you can add Evan Ingram to the dartboard. He had a pretty decent game last week. It's not spectacular, but we're talking about tight ends. There's not a lot of spectacular tight end play 
any given week. So could be a good matchup. But this this Dolphins defense is ascending quickly. Uh, so again, low scoring game, probably not a game that has a ton of fantasy value. Yeah, like I think if Daniel Jones plays, I would definitely consider editing him for the dartboard. I would also consider a low end flex on a Sterling Shepard if we have Daniel Jones and Shepard playing. I don't trust a Kenny Galladay. I don't trust a Darius Slayton. I mean, and then you got Saquon. Like the Giants are pretty, they're a lot. You have to be a lot more careful with them than you were at certain points in the middle of the season when it was like, when whoever their wide receiver is, one is, you can play. Like that's not really the case anymore. And the Dolphins defense has been more solid over the last few weeks. So we'll have to see what happens with that. If you have any other questions about lineup advice out in this game or outside, make sure you're hitting us up on our social media channels. We're definitely willing to help. We can move on then to our second game, the Indianapolis Colts traveling to the Houston Texans. And here's a quarterback that I think Cody likes more than Tua. And even I do as well, if he's still available on your waiver wire. We're going to talk Carson Wentz because he was on our waiver wire column earlier this week. Great matchup against the Houston Texans. He's been coming alive over the last two months of the season as of the Colts. So that's somebody to check if you don't have Aaron Rodgers. Go for someone like a Carson Wentz first and a two will kind of be a backup plan. Completely agree. Hopefully you were paying attention to the podcast earlier this week and you picked up Carson Wentz. It's a guy we talked about. Um, he has he had 20 points last week against the Tampa Buccaneers. That's a solid game against, you know, not the same defense that it was last year, but it's still a top 15 defense. Um, but And this year they had the Houston Texans. It's the only game I'm going to tell you that it's okay to play T.Y. Hilton. He always goes off against them. My, <laughs> Michael Pittman is in your lineups for this one as well. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, we don't have to talk about him, other than the fact that he is definitely making more and more noise for NFL MVP. And if a running back is going to win it, it's going to be this year because there hasn't been a true quarterback that's been dominant all season. Um, but we still have this stretch run here the last four or five games that could definitely get turn it back to a quarterback. But right now, I like his chances. I know Tyler would hate for hates to hear that. Um, but back to fantasy-wise, yeah, Carson Wentz, Michael Pittman, and like I said, even T.Y. Hilton, or as they like to call him this week, T.Y. Houston, uh, can be in your starting lineup. <laughs> and then on the Houston side... Don't all talk at once. I mean, Brandon mm-hmm. Cooks... You yep, have to watch that, with him, that, that. <laughs> but he has been on the injury report with a non-COVID related illness. He hasn't practiced mm. Wednesday or Thursday. You'd expect him to be back because of illnesses. But two weeks ago, we saw Lamar Jackson miss a bunch of practice with illness and he wasn't ready to go and play. And even if he is out there only at 50%, it's the Houston Texans. So you might want to look for different options out there. The Colts defense has been coming, has been pretty well as of late too so unless he's like full go symptoms are clear uh, you might want to pivot off Brandon Cooks and that's it on the Houston side uh another team that doesn't have a lot of fantasy weapons is the Detroit Lions they're taking on the Minnesota Vikings this week I feel like we can almost do the same thing on the Lions side now that there's no DeAndre Swift it's uh TJ Hawkinson is that it (laughs) yeah TJ Hawkinson and I and I mentioned my concerns about playing Jamal Williams or, you know, making him a priority addition for waiver wires. I think if you did go out and get them, if you need a running back, if you're a DeAndre Swift owner and you were able to grab Jamal Williams and you're really hurting at running back, I mean, he's going to be the top guy. There's not a lot of options behind him on the depth chart. So I do think it is possible for him to be out there and keep playing and playing. But again, TJ Hawkinson is 
the guy. Jared Goff hasn't looked the best. There's no receivers. So TJ Hawkins in your, is in your lineup. But honestly, if he was a tight end, if he wasn't a tight end and tight ends were so bad, it's not like he's a must start if it was a straight on skill position player because he hasn't been that consistent all season. Now, I think I know what your answer to this is going to be, but I'm giving a little bit of a boost to a Tyler Conklin this week because the matchup is so juicy. I think the Vikings can kind of go further down their targets list in this kind of game. Would you consider a Conklin for over a Hawkinson or is it just because you know Hawkinson's ability and he is a t- like a second tier tight end? You'd still stick with the safer option. Yeah, I would still stick with the the safer option in TJ Hawkinson over a guy like Tyler Conklin. Um now, Tyler Conklin might have a better chance of scoring a touchdown just because their, their offense will move the ball better. Um, but he is probably the third be- the thir- third option now that Dalvin Cook is out. Um, you could argue if it'd be him or Matson. But yeah, I'd probably still go Haw- Hawkinson there. But you said this is a good matchup, and this would be a great week to play Tyler Conklin if you're straight on streamer. Um, and then before we talk fully about the Vikings, I just want to throw out there the name Jamar Jefferson. He's a rookie. He's the listed third string running back. He's not a guy that you're playing. He's probably not even a guy you're picking up this week. Um, but if you're in one of those like super cheap or super, you know, huge daily fantasy lineups, you know, you throw two bucks in, everybody picks the same players. Jamar Jefferson might not be a bad idea. He has some pass catching ability. He could probably be super cheap. Just a guy to think about and pay attention to for next week's waivers uh, because we we do know Swift is supposed to be out this week, possibly the following week. Hopefully he's back for the fantasy playoffs, but it's the Lions. They're 0-10. There's no point to rush DeAndre Swift back, So, and they don't care about our fantasy season. So it could be a while. So just keep an eye on that rookie because sometimes this is when rookie got players come out and ball out, and they're like, oh, they, this is when they can make a name for themselves. It's actually a good piece of advice there, and they're 0-9-1, I believe. So give them, give them that tie. I'll, uh, I'm correct. They Actually, credit. I saw they lost. They had a better winning or a better record technically then the Lions, sorry, they are the Lions, then the Rams, Saints, and Seahawks this year because they all in November because they all went 0-3 or 0-4 depending on when their bye was, and they went 0-2-1. So congrats the Lions. You weren't actually the worst team in November. No win November is what I saw that that uh, graphic was titled as. So I, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, but congrats to the Detroit Lions for not being the worst. Uh, diving deeper into the Vikings, Cody already mentioned a little bit of Alexander Madison. Obviously, he is in your lineup if you uh, with Dalvin Cook out. Um, hopefully, you were able to get him if you're a Dalvin Cook owner. Um, you're starting Thielen. You're starting Jefferson. And we talked about Conklin. I think that pretty much wraps up everyone I want to talk about about the Vikings, unless you want to throw in a KJ Osborne in the mix as well. No, I, I don't think so. I think you have your, your quote-unquote big four um, that you're talking about. And there's not any huge names on the injury report on the offensive side of the ball that's going to affect you. And they're playing the Lions. So even the guys on the injury report for the defense isn't a big name. So why don't we just move on to the only game of the Couch GM sweep that hey. you know, I would say you should definitely win this game. But the last time one of the Couch GM's teams played against the New York Jets, they lost. So why don't you go ahead and break down the Philadelphia Eagles as they go, they head to New York and face the our New Jersey and face the Jets, man. Um, so the Eagles have been hit with an injury bug a little bit this week. No one seems to want to talk about the fact that Miles Sanders left that game last week with an ankle injury and started jumping on the um, Boston Scott hype train again. 
but Miles Sanders was banged up in that game. He did practice fully on Thursday, though. Fully expect him to go, and there's still no Jordan Howard. So as long as there's no other setback, I expect Sanders to get a pretty solid workload in this game against the Jets. Jalen Hurts was the other one. Coach Nick Sirianni came out and was talking very bleakly about his chances to play this week. And then once Wednesday came around, Jalen Hurts came out and said, I'm playing this week. I'm fine. So he was a limited participant on Thursday. I expect him to be a go as well, but we can make sure we monitor his status. If it ends up being Gardner Minshew starting in this game, well, I don't think that really affects the Eagles chances against the Jets overall. I think it affects the fantasy outlook of like a Devontae Smith, maybe even a Miles Sanders and maybe even a Dallas Goddard as well. But if Hertz goes, I think it's the normal weapons for the Eagles in your starting lineup. Yeah, I, I agree. If I, I expect Hertz to go, um, like we talked about on the waiver show, he should be he should be back. He might be a little bit limited with his rushing ability, um, but he's going to go out there and and ball out like he's been all all season. Like, and it's the New York Jets. They've been pretty bad against running backs, and I mean they've been actually been pretty good about fantasy wide receivers because the running backs have been so dominant. Um, which Hertz is definitely a quarterback, but he gets a lot of his points on the on the ground. So definitely still keep him in your lineups. You mentioned uh, Miles Sanders. That one is definitely interesting. No one seems to be talking about it. He did leave the game. Boston Scott got a lot of touches. Um, he was a limited practice or a full participant practice on Wednesday and limited Thursday. Uh, but I believe Wednesday was technically just a walkthrough. So it was an estimation. So don't th- read too much into to that injury report. Um, keep keep following us. Keep following the Eagles on Friday and Saturday as they talk about it. Miles Sanders is back in your lineup. I don't think you're playing any of the other running backs out there. Um, but I just want to ask you, if Miles Sanders, would, if they decide to rest him, is Boston Scott the guy you would go with? Definitely. I think they've tried to sh- like shy away from Kenny Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell would definitely get carries in this game without Sanders and without Jordan Howard. But I think Boston Scott's the guy they'd want to go with. And Boston Scott has a history of having good games up in the Meadowlands. So he would definitely be the guy if there's no Sanders. It's Sanders if he does play, which I'd see happening. Perfect. I, I think Sanders will play as well. Uh, pivoting to the New York Jets. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, they're like the Houston Texans, the Detroit lions. I think Elijah Moore has, you know, put him in pretty consistent flex option, but this, I'm taking the back. This Eagles secondary has been too good. Elijah yeah. Moore. I think you can do better at the flex options. I know Corey Davis is still not practicing. So really there's if actually Corey Davis goes. I almost feel like I like Corey Davis better than Elijah Moore because I think Moore is going to be locked down by slay, which could take a rookie. That's not really been breaking out that much out of the game. Yeah, I I would put I at this point I'd play no Jets. Like I know the mm-hmm. Eagles haven't been the best against the run. Um, if you're in super, you know, if you're in a 16 team league, 14 team league, and you're really struggling at running back, you know, maybe a guy like Ty Johnson. Maybe if you're a full point PPR, a Ty, Ty Johnson is the guy you consider. But really, yeah, the Jets, they they're not great fantasy options, so I wouldn't play any of them. It's weird to say against an Eagles team that's been struggling, but. Their secondary has been good, and the like you said, like we said, the best option for the Jets is Eli, yeah, Elijah Moore, and I, I don't love it. So avoid the yeah. Jets if you can. You know, speaking of these two teams, did you? This is not about fantasy, but did you see where we're currently standing in the draft order? How it's I don't remember the exact order of it, but it's four through what is that? I'm trying to do math in my head, it, eight or nine, and it's like Jets, Jets, Giants, Giants, Eagles, Eagles. It might be that might be a different combination of those three. But they essentially all have back-to-back picks 
inside the top 10 mm. for what I believe. And again, I don't have any numbers back this up. Probably the three teams that play the closest in proximity. Like I feel like it's like 45 minutes from Philadelphia to the Giants stadium, Giants and Jets stadium. So three teams that play within like 45 minutes each other right on the turnpike and they all have two top 10 picks at the season end of day. It's pretty crazy the amount of you know high level talent that might be coming to the East Coast. Just to follow up, I did look it up. So pick four Jets, pick five Jets, pick six Giants, pick seven Giants, eight is the Panthers, nine is the Eagles, and ten is the Eagles. So it's all Jets, Giants, Eagles with one pick from the Panthers shoved in the middle. That is actually really crazy. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a pretty quick draft night. I mean, except <laughs> when we get to the draft night, we all know if this if it's not going to play out like this because things will move around and teams will lose. But we all know if it was like this, it would be the Jets are now on the clock. All 15 minutes go by, the pick is in. The Jets are now on the clock. All 15 minutes go by, the pick is in. So we would still spend, you know, the good three hours in the first 10 picks that we always do. But just something Even to though keep it's an eye. like only six teams picking in the top 10. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's enough draft talk. We still have a lot of actual football season left. So let's pivot to the Arizona Cardinals at the Chicago Bears. The big news for this game is Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are expected to be back. And that's big for the Cardinals. They currently sit in the top of the NFC. They get to go to Chicago. It's not, it's not quite the whole West Coast, East Coast, because Chicago's in the middle of the middle of the country. So I don't think that'll play any into there might be a little bit of rust from Kyler from D Hop, but it is the Chicago Bears. So they're both right back in my lineup. Mm-hmm. I mean we're going to have the conversation Christian Kirk or AJ Green if you want to play either of those options too. But where are you with the, I mean, where are you with that and, and any other Cardinals? Um, yeah, I think Kyler and D Hopper right back in my lineup. Like you said, if I had to pick another wide receiver, I'm probably going to stick with AJ Green because of red zone ability. Um, I did like Kirk a little better when they were missing D Hop. Kirk seemed to be making some plays, but. Not like he was blowing the world away. I'm going to stick back with A.J. Green if we have to go with that. And then running back situation, the touchdown machine, James Conner. I think he's going to be in your lineup still. Um, and we'll see if he can keep this touchdown pace up. He's been keeping up, but I don't see how it would slow down against the Bears. No, I, I'm with you. And it's worth <laughs> noting, I believe the wording was from Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, Chase Edmonds won't be back until week 14. So. Chase Evans could be back, so you know this could be the final run of James Conner of getting opportunities. And I know he was still scoring a bunch of touchdowns, but he was doing it on like four carries a game when Chase Edmonds was there. So something I have to watch moving forward. Moving over to the Bears, I want to before we get into their full breakdown, I do have to remind you all if you didn't listen to the Tuesday episode of the podcast, Tyler Snyder and George Kurth have a little friendly wager between which tight end will score more points this week with the caveat being that Darren Waller is inactive and that is Bears tight end Cole Komet versus Raiders tight end Foster Moreau so you know if you don't have if your team's on by if you don't play till four o'clock make sure you're you know follow along with this Bears game see how Cole Komet's doing who did find himself on the injury report with a groin injury didn't practice Wednesday went to limited on Thursday so I do expect him to play we're getting Justin Field back uh david montgomery he's still in your lineup but other than and darnell mooney i think at this time we're playing yeah. darnell mooney uh 
Allen Robinson is still not practicing with this hamstring injury. He's I don't expect him to be back this week. Uh, so Darnell Mooney looks to be a, a solid option for the Bears moving forward. Definitely. I think I'm going to have to like pause for like a week when you see Allen Robinson come back because it seemed like the Bears were actually finally starting to use Allen Robinson before he left with his injury. And now he's been out for I think it's the last two weeks. But Darnell Mooney's kind of filled right in that role. He's broken out like we expected him to earlier in the year. The Bears offense is starting to get rolling a little bit. I mean, it was what, four weeks ago where like the Bears are a wasteland for fantasy. You're maybe playing Khalil Herbert and that's it. And now we're naming off four or five guys that could go in your starting lineups just because they've progressed so much as an offense. Yeah, I mean, let's extend Matt Nagy. Let's just do it. <laughs> All Packers fans Spoken out there. Spoken like a true Packers fan. <laughs> absolutely but i think we hit all the key guys in that game so let's let's move on to like what i think is by far the best one o'clock game and might be the best game of the week i'm actually kind of surprised at this point this game wasn't flexed to the four o'clock window or sunday night football but it's the kansas city chiefs so i understand why i wasn't there but the los angeles chargers are headed to the cincinnati Bengals. now i did bring it up last game because i wanted to talk about on this one west coast to east coast I mean, the time difference, it always seems to have an effect that the West Coast teams start out slow. The Chargers have been very inconsistent on how they've started out. The Bengals, they just came off of a huge demolishing win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Will they have a little bit of hangover from that game? We'll have to wait and see. But let's start with Georgia's favorite team, the Chargers. I I, I mean, I don't. why don't you tell me who you're not starting? I feel like that would be easier for both these teams. I'm not starting any tight ends on the Chargers side, so we can throw out Jared Cook and Donald Parham. Um, I am sketchy on Mike Williams in this matchup, partly because of the Chargers have been inconsistent. They are a West Coast team coming East. Um, I want to kind of just stick with the studs. And if you are in a situation where you have to play Mike Williams, you could probably do worse at your flex, but I'm trying to find a little bit of a different option if I can just because of how inconsistent he's been and how inconsistent the Chargers offense has been over the last three, four weeks. Yeah, I can definitely see the hesitations with wanting to, you know, move on from Mike Williams or find a different option. If he's out there, he's definitely not the guy that was putting up crazy numbers uh, for the first half of the season. Uh, But he did have that 15 point game against the Steelers, but that was sandwiched between two games that are less than four points. So definitely, Mm-hmm. A name we're talking about inconsistency uh, that you might not want to play. So I, I did like that call there. Um, if you, yeah, I'm with you. I don't really think there's any tight ends that is definitely going to move the needle. Um, sure, maybe Jared Cook could go out there, you know, and throw throw a dartboard. I think honestly, at this point, there's not a true tight end, but we do should watch Parham if you want to get an early head scout for next year or possibly yeah, a dynasty trade. Um, because Parr will be there, most likely Jared Cook would be not, will not be. So maybe this is a guy that you want to target, you know, around the draft time. Uh, so watch his involvement. But for this team, for redraft leagues, I don't think Parham or Cook has any serious value at this current moment. Um, but the Chargers, they do have a lot of options, and that's that's why. But let's pivot to the Bengals. Joe Burrow is definitely in your starting lineup. Joe Mixon, definitely in your starting lineup. Are all three wide receivers in your lineup? Only two of them. 
Jamar Chase has, you know, slowed down a little bit. T. Higgins had the he big has. game last week. So are we back to a full, you know, I know for a while it was Jamar Chase is 100% in your lineup. Are we back to all three of them potentially not knowing which one? Or is Jamar Chase still the, the lead dog? Man, I was hoping I wouldn't get this question, but there's not as many people to deflect to today with Tyler frolicking in the Christmas lights. So I let me just say I am starting Tyler Boyd in the league this week, mostly because of situations with buys and injuries. But he's somebody who's come back on my radar because Jamar Chase isn't demanding as much of the work right now because he is, I think, being bracketed a little bit more by defenses once they saw what he is capable of. And you did, you did say T. Higgins had the big game last week. I think he's still definitely going to be relevant. But if we're going back to that earlier stage in the season when Jamar Chase was not as active and they were using the three wide receivers more, it almost seemed to bounce week to week on who was it going to be between Higgins and Boyd. Boyd is kind of due for a breakout. And the matchup is not awful. I understand the Chargers defense has been pretty solid this year, but I think I would still be confident starting the three wide receivers to, and unless you have some better options, like don't force a Tyler Boyd or a T Higgins in your lineup, but you could definitely do worse at the flex position because I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm going to stick right with this game and ask you Mike Williams or Tyler Boyd slash T Higgins. Okay. I feel like Jamar um, Chase is a definite. Yes. Yeah. Jamar Over. Chase would be first on that list. I'm going to, just because I think Boyd is a little bit more of the sketchy option at this point, I'm going to say first on that would be Higgins and then Mike Williams and then Boyd. All righty. You heard it here. Just some interesting stats for you. Uh, in week 12, T. Higgins led the team in targets. In week 11, Tyler Boyd led the teams in targets. And in week 9, because they had a week 10 bye, Jamar Chase led the team in targets. So we're back. We're, <laughs> we're definitely in there. And then the last guy we have to talk about is Evan Money McPherson. He went in the last two weeks, he went from kicker rank number 18 all the way up to kicker number three. So keep that boy in your lineup. I was just trying to turn off my camera without actually turning off my camera. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm just going to get off of that and move us on to our last one o'clock game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to the Atlanta Falcons. Man, I feel like there's a lot of blowout scenario games this week. And I mean, I know the Falcons tend to step up in some of these divisional games, but not a lot of great one o'clock matchups. This could be another one that gets out of hand quickly. And we can start with the Falcon side, because I feel like at this point, the only Falcon that I am confident starting in a week in week out basis is Corderell Patterson. And I know, Cody, you're going to disagree. So go ahead and disagree. I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree. Um, he change perspective a little bit now i don't like to over exaggerate from one week but he saw 16 carries last week it's like he's the running back now like because right. they yeah i was always hesitant because he was he didn't have the volume but he was getting touchdowns and that's mm -hmm. doesn't seem like a stat that you could keep up consistently without the volumes but he is the guy he got 16 carries last week so he is definitely the number one starting option i do think you mentioned he might be the only guy. I do think Kyle Pitts is still on the dartboard. He's just been he, – how I look at it is, you know, he might not be putting up great numbers, but we've seen Kyle Pitts go for 160 yards and two touchdowns. There's not many tight ends in the league that you can – like Tyler Conklin might have a better week this week. Would not be surprised. But mm -hmm. there's no way Tyler Conklin's going for 160 points and two touchdowns. That's just not – he's not used like that. That's not his game. 
So that's why I think you're still rolling out with Kyle Pitts because of the high upside. Now, if you're in a matchup that you just need five points from a tight end, you might want to go for someone safer. But for me, as, as bad as the tight end position, I'm going to go with the guy that has potential to get me closer to 20 points than zero. Definitely. And I just want to build a little bit more on that backfield because I know I was somebody who is still holding on to Mike Davis for a while. I was a Wayne Gallman truther two weeks ago. Wayne Gallman got four carries last week. Mike Davis got five and then Matt Ryan got four. So after quarter Patterson, everybody else in that backfield, in my opinion, is irrelevant. So unless there's an injury to Patterson at this point, Mike Davis, I think, is droppable. Wayne Gallman is droppable if you still have him. Yeah, I, it's amazing how that backfield has shifted. I was one of the biggest, I mean, all three of us seem to like Mike Davis coming into the season, but I was one of the biggest Mike Davis, you know, supporters coming into the year and it just hasn't panned out. And now Wayne Gallman, who didn't even get carries till three weeks ago, is almost getting the same amount of touches in that secondary role as Davis. Yeah, I mean, it's because we all, you know, predicted the the Cordero Patterson fourth team, 30-year-old breakout season. Like, that's what we all Oh, yeah, totally for. predicted it. But that's, that's what's happening. Um, on the Buccaneers side, though, we already talked at the top of the show about the Antonio Brown. He's not He was not going to play any with his injury. He's definitely not going to play with that. So we are with his the COVID issue. Um, Mike Evans isn't on the injury report. I know he was dealing with a little bit of back tightness, I believe it was. I don't want to misquote what his injury was, but I, I'm like 90% sure that what that is was over the last few weeks. But he's not on the injury report, so that's a good sign. Chris Godwin, another name not on the injury report. Um, so those guys, I'd look right back in your lineups. This game, to me, is either going to be very similar to how the Buccaneers played the Detroit Lions last season where Tom Brady didn't play the fourth quarter, or this is going to be the weird game where it'll be like coming down to the, the wire and like Tom Brady needs a comeback drive to win. And we're going to be like, how did we get here? Like I don't see this game going any other op- – I'm sure it will because I now said that on the podcast, but that's where I'm <laughs> at with that one. Um and then Gronk, yeah, Gronk, you can still play as well. He is actually not on the injury report as well. So definitely getting healthier in Tampa Bay. So because I know I'm going to give a little extra fantasy advice for a fan of the show. It's actually my girlfriend here this week. She has been a frustrated Mike Evans owner because of his inconsistency. Um, I get he's still probably going to be in the lineup, but she is pretty solid at wide receiver in this league. I just want you to. Um, so her wide receivers play three because she's going to play one in the flex. Uh, she actually has Amari Cooper locked in, so forget that. It's going to be three. Mike Evans, Jalen Waddle, Cortland Sutton play two of them. Wow. Oh well, I'm Cortland Sutton, Mike Evans, and Jalen Waddle. Yes, play two. I'm still going to play Mike Evans and Jalen Waddle. Okay. Like I understand the the fascination with Cortland Sutton. That could be a high game we'll talk about that when we get to the Sunday night matchup but Jalen Waddle is making a late run case here for offensive rookie of the year consideration so he's definitely in my lineup George I will give you 100% credit you called that four or five weeks ago and I thought you were crazy but you saw something (laughs) I didn't Um, so he's in my lineup and then Mike Evans I understand the, the inconsistency but he gets so many red zone targets that like he might only have three catches, but they could all be for three touchdowns. So I hate to have that happen when he's on the bench. Okay. So it's, he's just one of those players you have to ride the wave with, and it is frustrating. But thank you for that little insight, Cody. And we can move on then to the 4 o'clock window. The struggling L.A. Rams are hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, is there any advantage to an East Coast team going west? <laughs> uh, well, not at the 4 o'clock window. <laughs> I think at the 1 o'clock there might be. 
uh, just because a one o'clock game is now, what is that? 10 in the morning for them. But anyway, I don't think there's, it's a four o'clock game. So it's pretty, pretty standard for what a one o'clock game would be for like, so there's actually no uh, edge or bias or anything like that, but we'll stick with the Jaguars here. Where I, I don't, James Robinson, you're going to play. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like this is another team. Like, it's like you have James Robinson, and I feel like we're we running out of teams. Arnold. Yeah, we're running out of players to talk about. But, like, yeah. Trevor Lawrence has been too inconsistent. There hasn't been a true wide receiver breakout. Um, Yeah, like, James Robinson. Yeah, I mean, I'm not starting Chenault. I don't really want to start Marvin Jones. I still have him rostered in a league or two as, like, an emergency, but not someone I want to start unless it's a literally an emergency and he's the last wide receiver on my roster. Um, yeah, it's the Jaguars have not been consistent. So yeah, it's James Robinson or bust really there moving over to the Rams side. I mean, they're wide receivers we can start with because you're definitely starting Cooper cup and I'm high on van Jefferson, especially in this good matchup. Some people may say it's going to be OBJ over Jefferson. All three of them might be good this week though. Yeah, I would still like, OBJ over Van Jefferson. Uh, I know OBJ is dealing with a little bit of a hip injury. He was limited in practice. They still expect him to play. He's working on do everything he can to play. And we saw it last. I know the targets ended up being a lot closer at the end of the game because when it, that last drive, I think they targeted Cooper Cup like five times alone on the last drive. But they made a real concerted effort to get OBJ the ball early and often in that Packers game. And that's their big act acquisition like they're going to keep trying to get him he's a playmaker they're going to keep trying to get him the ball so i do like him a little bit better than van jefferson but this is a solid matchup that i think all three of them are viable options um and then running backs we do have to talk about the running backs for the los angeles rams daryl henderson he heard his he tweaked his quad um he did not practice wednesday i the, i don't have the full update for the thursday at the time of recording this um but i do know it came out that he's still expected to play which is i was expecting them to hold them out for a week, but the Rams, they need to win. So they need their guys out there. So if they, they're going to go, if for some reason there's a hold up or hang up, Sony Michelle can go right into your lineup. Um, if, if Henderson is playing Henderson, if they play him, Henderson's the guy, if not, Sony Michelle's the guy, they're not split running back systems. It's one guy's the guy. That's how they've been playing it most of the season. Um, but you do have to either stay in tune with the Rams or probably the better option, stay in tune with us at the couch GMs on Twitter or our website, um, for the latest injury updates. Definitely agree with that. And the top running back in that system should be started, in my opinion, in this matchup. But I think that pretty much wraps up Rams Jaguars. Sticking out west, we got the Las Vegas Raiders hosting the Washington football team. We can start with Washington side because I feel like they've been improving as a team. But fantasy wise, you just haven't seen too much of an improvement. Like Terry McLaurin is still kind of wishy-washy. Antonio Gibson, because he's still probably a little banged up, has not been the player you drafted him to be. We're getting back Logan Thomas. That's a big addition, though. I will say that's something that I am very excited about. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Washington. Yeah, I'm with Gibson 100 percent. Or Sorry, Logan Thomas, 100 percent. He is as much as a league winning tight end as I think you could have found on the waivers if someone didn't have an IR spot. I think he. He came right back. He got a ton of ton of targets. They tried to get him. He is the guy, you know, before Ricky Seals Jones got hurt, he was a start startable tight end because that's what happened. He had nine he had nine points in week one before he got hurt. Now he only had three point one 
in week 12 when he was back, but he did see six targets. He had some big plays. He got pretty close to like an illegal hit that caused him to drop a ball. That was like a deep shot play, like 35 down, yards down the field. So they try to get him vertically involved. He's a red zone threat. So I definitely like Logan Thomas this week. But back to the running backs, um, J.D. McKissick did leave that game banged up against why am I blanking who they played on Monday night? Help me out, George. Washington. Now we're both playing. It was not a great game. Uh, no, Seattle. I think I've kind of blocked. There you go. I blocked it from my mind because it was so bad. Yeah, it wasn't a great game. <laughs> um, but so Gibson and Gibson has been pretty impressive over the last um, three, four weeks. He's been definitely trending upwards. So he's definitely a lock in your lineup. You know, maybe you were able to trade for him at the deadline. Someone threw him in for a trade or if you've been holding out, especially without McKissick, he could see an uptick. Uh, so I definitely like Gibson this way or this week, definitely playing Antonio Gibson. Um, and then you got to ride with Terry McLaurin. He's very similar to Mike Evans. Like, yes, mm-hmm. it hasn't been pretty. He's definitely had some moments where it's like, man, I drafted this guy in the third or fourth round and he's just not consistently putting up points, but he catches a lot of balls. He gets a lot of targets. It's a big feature in the offense. So you're rolling with Terry McLaurin. I don't want to look too far ahead, but. Like Mike Evans is still going to be drafted high next year just because we know it's Mike Evans and he's done this for how many years in a row. Terry McLaurin might be someone that slips down a draft board next year and gets to be a steal in round six or seven uh, just because Terry people McLaurin, are scared. I agree. I completely agree with this sentiment. And I think Terry McLaurin could be similar to what we saw with Cooper Cup this past year. True. If you, That's if very you remember, true. Robert Woods was the guy being drafted in third round. Cooper Cup wasn't being drafted until the fifth or sixth round. Terry McLaurin has been inconsistent. Now, he could have a hot end of the season here and completely change what we're saying. But yeah. as we're recording this uh, for, you know, on December 2nd, for December 3rd, I agree. I think he could be that fourth or fifth round guy that, you know, could be essentially a top fantasy option because people forget how good he is. And we're not 100% sure Taylor Heineke will still be the starting quarterback for the Washington football team next year. Exactly. But going back to this year now, we got to move on to the Raiders side of the ball. I know you talked a little bit about Josh Jacobs popping up on the injury report. So I'm going to talk a little bit about wide receivers and let you come back to the running backs after this. Um, Hunter Renfro has really been coming on since the Henry Rugg situation. I don't think I've really seen too much of a big change in his targets, but he's been more of a focal point of the Raiders offense. And he's somebody that I'm fairly consistent throwing in as my flex option most weeks. Now I've caught myself now in one of my leagues playing him the last three weeks and just there hasn't been a reason for me to take him out of the lineup. He's just been solid. So I like how he has progressed. There's always the talk of playing Foster Moreau as a tight end dartboard option without Darren Waller in there. That's not a bad play against the Washington defense that has been struggling, but he's not going to do as good as Cole Komet. Um, And I think Cody's probably got a little more information on the running back. So I'll pass over to him then talk about Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I I do want to touch base on the wider series real quick. I agree. Hunter Renfro, he's had 10 or more points in three of the last four games. So he has been a solid flex option, a guy you could definitely throw out there. This is a good match with the Washington football team. It's not the same defense. They also will most likely be missing Deshaun Jackson. He went from limited to DNP, um, and then they hate to use Brian Edwards before the fourth quarter. So <laughs> Don't get it. Hunter Renfro is definitely a guy to watch. You mentioned Darren Waller, DNP. He's week to week, most likely will not play this week. So I do like Foster Moreau talked about on the Tuesday show in the one game that Darren Waller missed against Philadelphia. 
uh, Fossimer definitely saw a lot of targets, and I believe Waller was ruled out pretty late in the week. That we, this time they've had a whole week to prepare for Foster Moreau to be the the guy, get him involved, get some plays for him. But you'd mentioned the running backs. Josh Jacobs is the name to watch. This is a good matchup for Josh Jacobs, but an ankle injury. He popped up on Thursday after practicing in full and not even listed on the injury report on Wednesday. Definitely something to monitor. If Kenyon Drake is out there, go grab him because of. Jacobs doesn't go. Kenyon Drake would definitely be a start for me this week. This is a good matchup. Kenyon Drake has looked decent in as an RB2. When I say RB2, like in that system, not like an RB2 in fantasy rankings, but he's been decent in that. He's had some opportunities. He get a full-on workload. Um, so definitely like, I like Josh Jacobs if he can go. If not, I like Kenyon Drake. Definitely go check your waiver wires for Kenyon Drake. I know I'm somebody that dropped him actually in the waivers this week. And, you know, in the first row of waivers. And now I'm regretting it because he might be a good flex start this week. But so I'm sure there's other situations in your leagues where that's the case. So why don't we move on then to the Baltimore Ravens against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I believe this is the game that was flexed out of the Sunday night football slot, but I, it could be the Seattle game. I'm not sure. It's one of the two. Um, but we can start on the Baltimore side. I think it was um, the Seattle game. I think it was this Seattle was CBS, game. I think CBS probably protected the Ravens Steelers game when they when they made the schedule as a big game that they wanted so gotcha okay well either way um the baltimore Ravens side of the ball um i want to start with running backs because even though he didn't have a good a great week last week we saw another 16 carry game out of Devonte freeman and it seems strange that a baltimore running back can get 16 carries and not have a good week it's just traditionally not normally what happens normally those running backs have great games and there was Lamar back. I get that that can kind of hurt the running back value. But if there's somebody getting that much that much work, I almost feel like you have to play them because there's always that chance of them breaking out, having one long run for a touchdown, getting a couple of goal line carries, which they have used Freeman at the goal line. What do you think there, Cody? Because I'm actually in this situation, our league of record. So would I'm sorry. I would, I, the... would you play Devontae Freeman? Oh, yeah, I thought for some reason, I thought you were asking me Devontae Freeman versus Latavius Murray. And I was like, oh, well, uh, that's Devontae Freeman. (laughs) Right. That's why I was so confused. I was like, he just asked me about Devontae. He didn't ask me about Latavius Murray, because if that's the question, it's definitely Devontae Freeman. And yes, I would probably play Devontae Freeman again. You mentioned it. You saw what could happen if, you know, he still gets volume, but the Ravens still don't play good. Like their quarterback throws four interceptions and still wins the game, which is quite impressive. But (laughs) If you see what happens, he might not put up a lot of points, but this the Ravens talking about they're going to be bounced back. I believe, again, I hate you know sharing stats. I don't have a hundred percent recollection on because I think I heard this. I be- believe this is like the first time the Ravens are favored in Pittsburgh in the Ben Roethlisberger era. Wow, I believe I'm going to look that up once to confirm that, and maybe it was the Lamar Jackson era, which wouldn't be as widespread. But I'm, that's why I was like so shocked. I'm pretty sure it was the Big Ben. Um, one, but I'll follow up with with that one. But yeah, Devontae Freeman, he's definitely in your lineup. Wide receivers, I like both Bateman and um, as a Bateman as a flex. Marquise Brown, he can be in your lineup. You know, he's putting up points, getting targets. They they draw up plays for him. But Bateman has been coming along as of late. There's a ton of injuries on this injury report. I can't go through it all because a lot of them are limited or not injured. Rest though, I think they should be good to go. Uh, just trying to save their guys, and it's definitely a big game. Um, for the Steelers, if they want to get back into playoff contention and the Ravens to hold on to the one seed. 
Definitely. And the only other person I want to mention from the Ravens is Mark Andrews, even though he doesn't really need a mention. He's in your lineup every week, but definitely play Mark Andrews. Uh, moving over to the Pittsburgh side, uh, it's Najee Harris. You have to play him every week because of his volume. Um, as long as he's not on the injury report, I know he was dealing with a little bit of an issue, but I think he was good to go if I'm seeing correctly. Um, and then you got Deontay Johnson as well and Pat Fryermuth. Those would be the guys I'm looking at on the Pittsburgh side. Yeah, Pat Fryermuth is still in concussion protocol, um, but he's been a full participant all week, so I expect him to be back. So he's either pool. on the last um, part of the protocol or he has been cleared. Correct. I believe it's and then works. Yeah. Chase Claypool, um, limited and now full practice. Claypool is up there with like Mike Williams for me of like where are the guys. I think that's a good comp. Mike Williams. <laughs> that is a great. Like if I gave you Mike Williams, Tyler Boyd, or Chase Claypool as your flex option, like you feel like Claypool might be the best option on the worst offense. So it's like it's a tough draw there. Um, but he has he's been. All, being, yeah. He's been more involved as of late so it's not mm-hmm. the worst play you could probably do better um but ben roethlisberger just looked so bad last week too so it's hard to feel confident on that but a part of you know he threw i think two picks on long balls to chase claypool so they were trying to get him involved so yeah. if claypool could have a decent game uh this week i did confirm this is the first time that the ravens have been favored in pittsburgh in ben roethlisberger's career that's great. That's a crazy stack. Because Roethlisberger has been around since the early 2000s. Yes. So now, I'm it's a long time. Like, if I can't, I know Roethlisberger hasn't missed a ton of time. He's missed a few games. Like if there's ever been one where he missed against Baltimore and they were ended up favorites, but he didn't play. So the stat still stands. Um, but still, it's impressive. It should be, you know, this is a game that a lot of people circle as a big matchup. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately for me. I love to see it, but the Steelers aren't playing the best but with Mike Tomlin never having a losing season either you can't count them out so this this could be a sneakily good game at least for football maybe not the best uh for fantasy but unless there's any other players and you cut me off right now I'm just going to go to the last four o'clock game which I believe was the game that was flexed out of it was the San Francisco 49ers at the Seattle Seahawks and George I think we have a pretty clear answer on the San Francisco 49ers running back at this point and that's I cool. yeah, I'm afraid to say it, though, because I feel like it's going to jinx it because every time I get on the bandwagon of a 49ers running back, it ends up not happening. So if I say the name Jeff Wilson first and then say it's actually Elijah Mitchell, will that break the curse? Who, who knows? But you were talking about <laughs> Elijah, Elijah Mitchell. He is definitely the guy. Debo Samuel is probably going to miss this game. That's something that's big notice. Mm-hmm. Um, Now, I'm saying Elijah Mitchell is the guy. But I don't think you should cut Jeff Wilson. I know there's a lot of people mm-hmm. out there that you can cut him. He hasn't. I think he's too valuable as a handcuff for a team that likes to run the ball. We haven't seen what this will look like with him being the fool. But you could argue that Debo was running back two the last two weeks with or running back one when both of them were back or or no, he was actually RB two behind Jeff Wilson and then RB two behind Elijah Mitchell last week. So you could argue that without him. He could get more involved, more care. We know Kyle Shanahan still likes Jeff Wilson. Jimmy Garoppolo came out and said Jeff Wilson's ready to go. Elijah Mitchell's been playing great, so we'll see how that dynamic works out. So I know it hasn't been great. The guy we all thought was like the sneaky steal of the the season when we picked him up before he came off PUP hasn't worked out, but I don't think you can drop him quite yet. And then the other 49ers that I think I'm pretty confident 
and saying he can be back in your lineup is Brandon Ayuk. George is shaking his head. You're right, though. I just don't want to say it. <laughs> but Brandon Ayuk, he has, I believe, 75 yards. I am so unprepared to have, but I believe it's been 75 plus yards in three of the last four games for Brandon Ayuk. So definitely, you know, a guy that's trending upward. No Debo Samuel, so we'll have to wait and see on how that matchups. And that was correct. It's actually 85 or more yards over the last three out of the last four games. So he's been definitely getting utilized. No Debo Samuel this week. We saw last year at the end of the season when Debo Samuel left. This is when Brandon Ayuk made a name for himself. This is when Brandon Ayuk was drafted so high because Debo Samuel got hurt. It might only be one week without Debo, uh, but in this matchup, I think you can roll Brandon Ayuk out there. Just because it frustrates Cody a little bit. I mean, Samuel has been used as a running back a lot, like he did mention. He's being basically the second running back in a run-heavy offense behind Eli Mitchell or that one week with Jeff Wilson. And that has opened up a lot more passing work for Brandon Ayuk. So he has almost been the wide receiver two mesh wide receiver one kind of option. And he has really come on in the last month of the season. I'm just, I, I just feel like burned by him from the beginning of the year, but there is a league. I still have Brandon Ayuk and he's in my lineup pretty much as a mainstay now because of how more, how much more confident um, I am with how he's been in the last month. But we can move on to the Seahawks side of the ball because I know DK Metcalf really disappointed a lot of people last week. He lost a couple of people. I know some matchups and Tyler Lockett's starting to come back alive. Are we getting back to the is it a DK or a Lockett week uh, mentality? And as frustrating as that is, I I feel like that was going to happen eventually. Yeah, I it's <laughs> Russell Wilson hasn't looked great since he's come no. back from his finger. Whether it was, what did he say, 26 hours a day of rehab? Whatever, he maybe lost out on a few weeks of sleep or something like that. I don't know what it was, but he hasn't looked back. He definitely he needs to get back into a rhythm. And we even saw it. Like, there was, I don't know if he's feeling the pressure of being, you know, a three and eight team. If, you know, there is, just, you know, we had the, we forget about it because Rodgers overtook it. But a month prior to the Rodgers news, like, everyone thought Russell Wilson was out. Like, the Bears thought they made a trade for him. Like Russell Wilson, I don't know if there's like pressure to like want to be in Seattle. Maybe he's finally done. What that is, we'll have to wait and see. But if he's going to get back on track, and this team is, according to their coach, still in win now mode, it's going to be him playing in rhythm and getting to his playmakers. And he said after the game, he has to get the ball to DK Metcalf because they didn't even try in the first half. And then in the second half of the game on Monday night, they were just forcing the ball to him on deep shots where he throwing it out of bounds. It wasn't pretty. Let's see this week. I think you, both of them in your lineups. I think the 49ers, you can definitely start both of them fairly confidently. I mean, it might not be the best matchup, but they're both big time playmakers. But as of right now, Tyler Lockett is the, this probably the safer option. Um, but the, I could see a big breakout for DK Metcalf this week. Tyler Lockett is the safer option, man. Where was that back when I needed Tyler Lockett? Uh, but you're right. <laughs> That is how it looks right now. And then just really quick on the running back situation in Seattle before we move on. Any teams that are running back desperate, do you mind them leaning on an Alex Collins this week in a good matchup? Or are you still trying to avoid that backfield because of how inconsistent it has been? Yeah, I'm not I'm not playing Alex Collins this, this week. Um, I, I actually tend to think that Adrian Peterson will be active. And I'm not saying he'll be the leader in carries. 
because I mean, he did just play, so it's not like he needs time to get caught up to speed. I mean, he needs to get caught up to speed with the, the playbook, but I think he'll be active and will eat into those carries. Wouldn't be surprised if it's similar to what we saw the first week with Adrian Peterson in Tennessee, where Deontay Foreman looked like the better running back, probably why Peterson isn't still in the Titans. But they got to the, the goal line, and they took Foreman out to put Peterson in because Peterson scoring a touchdown in your jersey, uh, that sells pictures, it sells jerseys. Not saying that that's what coaches are thinking about, but I would not be surprised if Peterson has a worse rushing day but a better fantasy day because of scoring a touchdown. Very possible there. Um, and we are, like we said, we are not sure if he's going to be active or not. You can keep following us on our Twitter page, especially. We will keep you updated on that, but we'll try to post on our other social media channels as well. And that brings us on to Sunday Night Football. Denver Broncos versus the Kansas City Chiefs flexed into Sunday Night Football this week. And we can start on the Broncos side because there's big news that Melvin Gordon might miss this game. And we were talking about Javante Williams being a potential breakout here near the end of the season. And then all of a sudden this Melvin Gordon news happens. Javante Williams could, if he has a full workload, go towards RB1 status this week. Absolutely. If, If Melvin Gordon can't go, this is a big week. This is why we were talking about trade targets for Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon did not practice with a shoulder and a hip injury. So he has two injuries to overcome. Something to keep an eye on. We'll follow along for the rest of the week. I only have the Wednesday report in front of me. I don't have the updated for Thursday to see if he moved to limited at all. But as of right now, he's not practicing. And I think Javante Williams definitely is a must start. And Javante Williams under there is not that you ever root for injuries, but this is the, this is why you've held on to him all season. I mean, he, he looked pretty good last week. I know Melvin Gordon did come back for a while. They still were pretty split. If Melvin Gordon goes, I still think you can play Javante Williams in the event of free injury or just because they have been getting the ball 50-50. So I do like Javante Williams a lot this week for the Broncos, but I'm going to turn the question to you now to talk about the wide receivers because I really don't want to break down (laughs) the Broncos wide receivers. You almost feel like either the targets are too diluted or they just it's a different guy every week, but... I think the two guys you have to hone in on are Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Even though Tim Patrick will occasionally have that breakout day, I don't like him consistently enough to be someone that's like, oh, I start him even though it's, you know in this good matchup. Um, part of me wants to say that I think the Broncos are going to have a good day, and I think that Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton are both decent flex options this week. And I almost think that not having Melvin Gordon might help that case because while you're going to see more carries out of a Javante Williams, maybe they'll pull a third running back out there to take a couple carries. They might tend to pass the ball a little bit more because you want to get the ball to your best players. And all of a sudden, one of your best players, which is a running back, is out. You try to involve a Jerry Judy or a Cortland Sutton more. The Chiefs defense has not been fantastic, even though the Chiefs have been a little bit better in the last month and a half of the season. I think those two are in strong flex consideration this week. Okay. I don't disagree with you. I think Jerry Judy would be my favorite. Out of yeah, those I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I want to give you a, a pretty mind blowing stat, though, which is another reason why the running backs are so important. And if Melvin Gordon can't go, definitely Javante Williams. Dating back to week seven between the big three in Denver, now that would be Tim Patrick, uh, Jerry Judy, who did not play in week seven, and Cortland Sutton. Only one of them 
and that was week nine, and it was Tim Patrick has put up a game over 10 points. Wow. So definitely something to consider. They're not the Broncos wide receivers that you're, you know, but we expect a high scoring game. That's why we're mm-hmm. higher on the wide receivers this week. So I agree. Jerry Judy, he, he saw nine targets in week 12. They all saw three targets last week in a game that they won 28 to 13 in such a weird game where the passing game didn't really matter. Teddy Bridgewater was in, Drew Locke was in. So kind of throwing last week out a little bit too because of the whole inconsistency at quarterback with injuries. Um, But Teddy should be back this week, full go, and a big matchup, I believe, for the division too, which is crazy to think that we're still talking about the Chiefs like fighting in this division between all four teams. Uh, I, I think the Chiefs will win at the end of the day, but the Denver Broncos are hanging on. Definitely. And I think the Chiefs kind of gave everybody in that division a leg up when they started off so poorly. And that's why, like, they're still digging out of their hole is why we're looking at this situation. But they've been a pretty solid team over the last month, month and a half of the year. Um, And I definitely agree with the Jerry Judy is the best option of that group. You do say none of them hit 10. Jerry Judy had a 9.9 point game (laughs) in one of those weeks. So he was right there. And he has been, I think, the most targeted of the group. So He's my favorite play. Cortland Sutton, I think, could have a good day, probably score, maybe even score a touchdown um, to help you guys out in fantasy. But unless you have anything else to say, you can cut me off. We're going to move on to Monday Night Football. The New England Patriots, the surging New England Patriots against the Buffalo Bills, a great divisional matchup here where the Bills look to hope to take back that division lead. So because it's a big game for the Bills, they're in Buffalo. I know the weather doesn't really play a factor because New England and Buffalo both are used to playing cold weather games, but do you expect Buffalo to come out with a little bit of fire? Maybe you see one of those games where they have five weapons go and have good fantasy days. Are you still being a little bit more conservative? Maybe you're not thinking about an Emmanuel Sanders, a Cole Beasley, a Matt Breida, and you're just looking at more like a Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Yeah, I'm, I'm so torn. Because how bad <laughs> Buffalo has looked the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks, Be- excluding the game against the Jets, but that's the Jets. I mean, they, it's could the Jets. Ba- they could barely beat. They lost the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. They didn't look great against the Saints, who were struggling. Like, this, this is a tough team, and New England is surging. But, like, Buffalo, you know, I think they talked about it last year, how that they were, you know, so impressed on how, you know, good this team was and that they're the new leaders in the AFC East. Like it's our time now. And the Patriots took a one year hiatus and they said, Nope, this is still our division. So the Buffalo, they need to come out and, you know, have some extra energy. My thing is the new England Patriots are notorious for taking away your number one option, which is to fund Dix. Unless yes, you really think that they're going to game plan them. Like they're playing Lamar Jackson, because I know, Josh Allen has been running the ball more, but I don't believe so. I think their, their main goal will be taking away Stephon Diggs. They also have the number one defense against fantasy tight ends. In my head, if you're taking away Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox is the go-to guy. So I'd still play Dawson Knox, but I am definitely not as confident as I have been the last few weeks with him. It could be a, a, a low-scoring output for him, definitely a game that you know might make you regret playing Dawson Knox. But if you have them, it's a nice to have somebody on Monday night to give you at least a, a shot. So I, I still would keep Dawson Knox in your lineups. But with both of those things said, Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley, one of them should have a decent game. 
Which one? Uh, I can spin the wheel for you, but George <laughs> hates when I do that. I can flip a coin for pick you. Pick whatever the wheel does not pick. <laughs> but I would probably tend to go Cole Beasley, especially in a full point PPR format. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, he definitely started out strong, but has not been the same guy he was the first half of the season. But this whole Bills offense hasn't. And I don't think they get back on track this week. I mean, they still definitely have a chance to win this game. But I don't think this could end up being similar to how the Bills were, you know, against Pittsburgh week one, which were like, oh, what's going on with the Bills? And we're like, oh, it's just the Steelers defense. Well, maybe there was actually something wrong with the Bills. And this is another strong defense. And then the last two Bills we got to talk about, which I'll let you chime in. Devin Singletary, Matt Breida. Any of them, like, I feel like if I'm going to go with one of them, I'm going to go with Matt Breida just because it's different, but I don't really want to. Like, I think you have to look at it as Singletary's probably going to get more carries. Breida's the more dynamic option. So I'm going to go with the more dynamic option because I don't think that the separation in the carries is significant enough for me to want to lean towards a Devin Singletary. But I would rather play neither of them because I don't really know how this game is going to come out. I mean, I know Buffalo is still a team that tends to pass the ball even when they're up. So, like, game script isn't a big deal for Buffalo, but it definitely helps. Um, But let me just give you a little bit more confidence in Buffalo. I know Tyler's going to like that I'm mentioning this on the podcast. Because the Patriots, in their juggernaut run since week seven, have really honestly not had a very impressive schedule. They had the Jets. Uh, they had an impressive win over the Chargers. I'll give them that one. Then they had Carolina back when they were really struggling. Cleveland without either of their running backs and a super beat up Baker Mayfield. Atlanta without Corderell Patterson. And then Tennessee, who is all kinds of beat up as well. So really, when you look at it, like, yeah, sure. The Patriots defense has been fantastic. They haven't really played that many significant weapons. And the one time that they did play a decent offense, they still gave up 24 points to the Chargers. So there is a chance that the Bills offense can find points against this this uh, Patriots defense. It just doesn't look like it because of how banged up and how bad the competition they have been playing over the last. What is that? Six weeks, seven weeks. Yeah, that's a great point. Didn't even think about their strength of schedule. But I will say, you know, sometimes we, t- we talked about this a lot with the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. Like, yeah, they're 11 and 0, but who have they played? I mm-hmm. will say the, St- the Patriots defense has been, granted the competition might not have been the Kansas City Chiefs or the Green Bay Packers or the Los Angeles Rams, like a top offense, but they have been suffocating. They have, I mean, J.C. Yeah. Jackson is, you all remember Trayvon Diggs? Yep. The guy that was going to win defensive player of the year. No, it should go to J.C. Jackson. He's been balling out. He's been making a ton of plays. This defense, they're, they're playing old-fashioned Patriots football. They run the ball. They play good defense. They're very conservative. They punt on fourth and one when every other team would go for it. That's just how they are. So the Patriots, they might not have, you know, played a lot of people, but they all, they don't get to pick who they play. The schedule's made for them. And when they are playing decent teams or good teams, they are beating them. They're not giving up easy games that they're, they're supposed to win. They're they're doing what they're supposed to do for a good team. So I will give them credit for that. Uh, but speaking of Patriots players that we should probably talk about who would be starting. Uh, are we playing? Are you confident playing both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevens at this point? 
I mean, I think if you were saying this against any other defense, I would say, yeah, probably. But we got to remember, like, as much as we're talking about the Patriots defense has been good, the Bills defense is also one of those top flight defenses against running backs. So it makes me a little bit scared to say, yeah, I would play both. I think I'm a lot more confident in Harris. I think he is the RB1. If you have to put a flyer like you're weak at running at weak at a flex position, Stevenson, you probably could do worse. I don't like it. I think I'm trying to limit myself to Harris just because of the matchup. Gotcha. I think I think I the matchup is a good point. I believe this is number one and number two fantasy defenses ranked as well. So would not be surprised if both teams have a fantasy touch like a defensive touchdown because that seems to be how their seasons are going. And then wider, we're playing Hunter Henry. He's on the dartboard, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. As a guy, he seems to be the, the guy that you can trust. In the other, there's not other many receivers. I know Kendrick Bourne's like the the flashy name. Um, he's a guy that you know you have on your your bench. And if you're if you need a big game, right? Like maybe you have mm-hmm. Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, and you're going into your 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 Monday matchup, and you're down 18 points. Well, you're probably going to play Kendrick Bourne at that point. Maybe you're only mm-hmm. maybe you only need seven points. Well, then you might want to play Jacoby Myers. Uh, that's how I look at like Jacoby Myers has a higher a higher ceiling or I'm sorry, a higher floor but a lower ceiling. Higher floor. And then Kendrick Bourne has a higher ceiling but a lower floor. Um, but Kendrick Bourne has been mm-hmm. making plays. But other than that, like Pages have been playing good, but their defense is doing a lot of the work. And outside of the running backs and Hunter Henry, there's not a lot of options I love. Definitely. Like I'm definitely not even talking about a Mac Jones in this matchup um, because the Bills defense is tough and he's been decent, but not like a world beater in fantasy over the last few weeks. Well, I am playing Mac Jones in our dynasty league because my (laughs) fantasy quarterbacks in that league are Justin Fields and Mac Jones. So my dynasty team looks great. Don't worry. I'm playing Nelson Aguilar in in a league too. So it's fine. Oh, see, just because just we do this podcast, we're trying to help you guys out. We still understand and fully can recognize and relate to all your decisions that you can't believe that you're making. I know I saw somebody was playing, had to decide between, uh, I can't forget the other guy, and Rex Burkhead last week because he's now the Oof. number two in Houston. So we see those. We can relate to those. Um, so we're, that's what we do. We do the show because one, we love talking about football and we want to help you guys with fantasy football as much as we can. So as always, thank you for listening to another episode of the couch jams podcast. Tyler is not here with us, but he would like to tell you as he always does. This podcast is more fun for you and more fun for us when you get involved. And thank you one more time for listening in to the couch jams podcast for Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kurth, and we'll see you all next week.